Let's pray. Let's have some fun. Here we go. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you've called and gathered people from across the earth to serve you. Grant the increase of your governance among us. And give us your Holy Spirit that your name is glorified and that all who sit in darkness see your great light in Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, good deal. Good to see you. Uh, Let's see here. Put money in the basket. It'll go to... One of the things we're really horrible about, uh, really horrible about is all the good that people do around here. In fact, even sometimes the people who are doing good don't know other people are doing good. So this morning, you know, and they don't, you know, what's kind of good, this is kind of good and kind of bad. These guys, you know, they don't bother to tell me till about three days before they're going. So, you know, suddenly I get a phone call and all these five guys, uh, six, I think five guys and a woman, right? Six guys, what, it grew? What are they, what is it a cult? They're recruiting? What? Seriously? This is, sir, I can't control you. I can just hope to contain you. They're driving to Hattiesburg, Mississippi because there was a tornado there. So you're, you know, your big, cool NASCAR trailer? All the way to Mississippi with six guys. Who's the other woman on a chainsaw? Beautiful. So you know who they are. This would be a good week to rob their houses. They're out of town. Because <laughs> no good deed should go unpunished, right? <laughs> no, it's all going to be un- It's all going to be there. Um, put some money in the baskets. We'll help. You know, they don't take any money. We, you know, they won't even... We tried to make a motel reservation. Steve said something like, oh, no, it's best if we all sleep on the floor together. I'm like... What are you, nine? Come on. <laughs> it's best if you slept in a hotel with a shower because by the end of the week, you've got to come back to us. And, but anyway, I mean, this is kind of cool that you have eight people. And by, if you want to be chainsaw certified, man, woman, but probably not child, see Anna. She knows how to get you there. Aren't you chainsaw certified? Yeah, it's a good Halloween, it's a good Halloween costume too, right? Right? Are you too, Madam Chair? Wow, we're probably the only church in the Missouri Senate that has a woman who's president and she's chainsaw certified. (laughs) All right, that's good. Uh, What else is going on? You saw there was a million-dollar bet put down yesterday on, took the the Falcons and gave three. That was Stephen Nyquist, our president. We refinanced our loan. He took a million of it, put it down on the Falcons. So, but we got three points. So if this works for us, you're a genius. And if not, we won't see you next week. So, yeah, it's all good. Life's good. Siberia, yeah. New ministry opportunities in Siberia. No doubt about it. Okay, what else is going on? Anything else? We're horrible. If there was anybody, if there was anybody here with any education, if there was anybody here who did tech things, who knew how to run things, the thing we're worst at is telling each other all the good things that are doing. You know, sometimes Steve, I'll just use Steve Chester because he does so much. He's like, hey, I'd like to recruit some guys. He's like, how about this guy? No, he's doing two things. How about this guy? He's doing two things. And what I realize is even a guy like Steve who's so connected doesn't always know, you know, what everybody else is doing. And the problem is, is it takes a lot of time to let you know all the good stuff that's going on. I mean, if you hang around, you sort of get the buzz. But, you know, there's something about, you know, showing your good works off on the street corner. On the other hand, there's something encouraging you know, these guys are going, and you're going to pay for mileage and maybe a hotel room if they can still get in. But otherwise, 
you know, they're putting all the wear and tear on their trucks, and Steve's taking a second trailer, and, you know, they're pulling down a bobcat. It's not like it's a small deal. It's all these, you know, and they're driving. They won't be here. How long to Hattiesburg? It's got to be a ways. All in one day, though, of course. Yeah, because that's who we are, right? <laughs> Why would we stop halfway when we could go all the way, start in the dark and end in the dark? Right, okay. Yeah, I understand the hermeneutic. Yeah, okay. God bless them, you know. So throw some money in the basket. We'll pick them up at 52 cents a mile. It'll be great. Uh, sign up for the men's retreat. As usual, you know, you guys came through last week. We went from about 9 to about 79 in one week. So you can go on the website and sign up. It's free. Bring your friends. It's easy. I mean, the bar is very low for a men's retreat, right? You have to have pizza and maybe have a beer. And then, if, you know, maybe eggs are off your diet. We'll have donuts for you in the morning, okay? So it's very easy. The Hilton uh, down by 88 and Naperville Road. Show up, have fun, learn stuff, be nicer to people, do it again next year. Okay, good. So, and this is the guy, so that's why I put this out, David Zahl, who's coming along. So it's an interesting story. Uh, okay, questions about anything? Let me try to catch you up just a little bit. I do want you, I just sort of did this quickly at the end, but I do want to, because I, I feel a bit passionate about this. One of the things about the church is that the church is meant to be a reflection of heaven. So the church is heaven on earth in a sense. And we already know what they're doing in heaven. We're told about it in Isaiah, when Isaiah goes there and, you know, they take the coal, the angel touches his lips and he's healed, which is a type of the Eucharist. You come to the altar. Um, Jesus touches your lips and you're healed, right? Who am I? I'm a man of unclean lips. The angel touches him and he's purified the body of Christ for you, right? You, you see the touch of Jesus. So you see what you do at the Eucharist is an imitation of what was done in Isaiah. In Revelation, everybody gets confused because the end of the world is chaotic. What's not chaotic is the liturgy. Fast forward to your world. The world is chaotic. What's not chaotic is the liturgy. This is how we live and die. This is what we do. We do it every week. We listen to people who are 2,000 or 4,000 years old. We listen to people. We don't believe that we're the smartest ones in the world. We believe there are outside reference points. We listen to other people. We, we recognize that there have been great leaders and prophets and pastors through the years. We listen to the entire world. If you listen to the liturgy, you know, occasionally the liturgy gets, liturgy gets criticized as a white man European thing. That's by people who have no idea what they're talking about. You know, that, the liturgy comes from all over the place, from Egypt, from Turkey, you know, from Israel. Yes, some things from Europe, but not, not, not in any sort of... And from different communities all around. And from, you know, from the Old Testament, from, from, from temple worship, from tabernacles. All this stuff sort of pulls together. And it's like they've sorted out this greatest hits for you to come on Sunday. And lo and behold, it looks just like what Jesus is doing right now on Sunday with all your friends and relatives who have gone to heaven. So, you know, at least if you just sort of take a look at this, okay? So this is what it looks like. There's a priest and an altar, and there's priests and there's vestments, and there are candles. And the very first thing you do is fall down, chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, and confess your sins, right? And then just as happened in Isaiah, somebody comes to you and lifts you up, right? Somebody picks you up and puts you into service to God. What does that mean? There's incense and there's a scroll and somebody reads from it and somebody interprets it and they make the sign of the cross and they sing the Gloria and the Alleluia. And this is amazing, right? When they say, lift up your hearts, we lift them up unto the Lord. There it is right there in Revelation 11. They sing the Holy, Holy, Holy. They talk about the Lamb of God. There's prayers. 
Mary prays for you. The saints prays for you. We did that last week. We confessed that, that the saints right now are praying for you, right? You sort of turn it over and you say, um, the angels are present. The scripture is read. The people are gathered. There's silence. And then the celebration of the supper of the lamb, right? And then you do it all over again. So, yes, of course, it's a lost argument uh, in our age and even among Lutherans about what we do. You know, the biggest problem with Lutherans is they want to be Baptist. Whoa, we said it out loud. Oh, you know, the biggest problem is we sell our birthright for a mass of porridge, right? So we have this thing that looks just like the baby Jesus, and instead we want to look a little more like Jimmy Swagger. It just is not, you know, you kind of say to yourself, what the? But you know what? On our two square blocks... If Jesus comes back, at least he'll recognize the liturgy. So, you know, that's the reason we do what we do, because we have this biblical template, you know. It's not just a bunch of guys sitting in a room who made it up. It's a, it's a church that reads their scriptures and says, whatever Jesus does, that's what I want to do. Yes, it can be pushed and pulled, and you can add new music, and the best is before us, and here we go. I get all of that. But just to make the pastor the big deal and sing a couple of songs to warm up and let him go for 45 minutes and a couple of songs to cool down, you know, and maybe if you need extra people, you get a cover band that'll sing a little bit of Coldplay, but not very well, you know, gee, you know, everybody has their biases, right? That's what we're learning. Um, But I mean, the thing is, is everybody pays your money and takes your choice, but you, you turn into a particular kind of person based on what you do, Right. If you always pull your golf shot outside, in, it's always going to be a slice. Get a lesson, right? No? Yes. Outside, in. See, this is why you all slice, apparently, right? It's what you do over and over and over again that makes you who you are. You are what you touch. You become what you do. This is easy, right? If you want to be loving, then love people, right? And, And if you want to be humble, serve people. This is not difficult, Yes, things work inside out and outside in. The philosophers can argue about that all day long. It all bundles up together. What you need to have is a simple confidence that you're a servant and not a master and that the church has delivered to you what Jesus intended. And it looks a lot like this, right? Of course, you can do something else and you won't go to the fiery gates of hell because of it. That's not the question. The question is, what does the Lord deliver us and how can we be best Right? How can we do best? How can we be what the Lord meant us to be? The whole notion here is that the liturgy makes you, you know, your pastors can fail you, but the supper can't fail you, right? The musicians can fail you, but the liturgy cannot. If you just don't dink around with it, if you just don't, you just, just, just kind of move forward. And if there needs to be a bump or a nudge, talk to people from around the world for the last 2,000 years, and then maybe just a slight to the left or to the right, Okay? So anyway, that's the defense of everything that we do. And um, unless you start with that kind of a hermeneutic, you never really understand, you know, why we can't do this or that. And if you do it with some joy and passion, the way the angels and the saints do it in heaven, um, you know, you become a particular kind of community. Hopefully always, you know, more generous, a better witness, more loving, more accepting. And I was particularly pleased that the liturgy was exactly this morning, 59 and a half minutes Raw perfection, right? <laughs> We're always aiming at 59 and a half minutes. We get a little bit of an extra if the bells play or if the announcements go too long. You know, if you have four children, we get an extra 17 seconds because we had to announce that. But otherwise, 59 and a half sec- minutes plus or minus 60 seconds, okay? 
Because how long, if your kids have to go 53 minutes, what will they start to do? Cry and whine. We've got to get them out of there. There's candy available, apparently, in the lobby for them, right? To get them all jacked up before Sunday school. It's a great idea, okay? <laughs> all right, here we go. Questions about any of that? Okay, so we want to talk a little bit about what it means to say um, the only begotten Son of God. Of course, you could pick sort of anything. Uh, you, could, you could pick sort of anything, uh, any one of the next bits out of the paragraph. But really you have this, um, and maybe what I'm going to do, what I might do is um, do number eight and then go back to number seven because it might be a little easier. But first I just want you to think about it. So uh, we make all kinds of claims about Jesus, right? But we want to keep this as simple as possible. So if you're going to say, what do you know about Jesus? What do you know about it? If you just know three words or less, what? Uh, good. Give me a little more. Okay. Um, let's, let's move back from describing his characteristics. To, these are ontological questions. We're going to talk about his being. You know, what does it mean to be Jesus? It does mean to me. Now, see, and that's the thing. Now, so suddenly... Um, all right, I'll just take that. Um, is, he, is he God or is he divine, right? So that's going to be one question. Um, and then, of course, later you can explain to me what it means for him to be only begotten, begotten from eternity, starting without a start. But we'll hold that for just a little bit later. So one possibility is always a question, is Jesus divine, okay? What's the other, then, the other side of that question? Is he, yeah, is he human, right? Is he a human being? With all that this means, right? Right? You start to ask these questions, you know. And what are some other possibilities beyond this? If you say, you know, he's got it. It's going to be hard enough figuring this out, but it, what, what, what would be other possibilities, right? Yeah, one, one, he's, he's some kind of mix, right? He could be superhuman. He could be subdivine. He could be, um, you know, it, it could be some kind of mix. Or it could be, um, I, you know, I'll just put it one or the other. Right. Now, these are the kind of questions, because it's very weird. If you look at, if you look at eight, I'm going to work at eight and, and look back to you, okay? So, I believe in one God, one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, who was made man. Right? So, what is it that you mean when you actually say, um, I believe in Jesus, God, man? You know, when I, this is under number one, on the one that says eight, when I say this, how many things am I believing in? Am I believing in one God, or I'm believing in two God? So is God the Father different from God the Son, different from God the Holy Spirit? Or um, am I believing in three gods, right? Because the Holy Spirit's going to fade in later. Or then the bishop was here and said, we all have to believe in the one holy Catholic apostolic church. So that's four things to believe in. Now, how does that work out? And then does it mean, for example, um, you know, if you're a good follower of Plato or of the Da Vinci Code or of the postmodern world, you don't want to be caught worshiping flesh. That was the whole point of the Da Vinci Code, right? That was the whole point of Plato and the Neoplatonists. Stuff is bad, right? But then we just told you at Christmas that Jesus takes stuff and he saves you by touching his stuff to your stuff. Well, this is going to be problematic if you don't think stuff can save you, right? So, you know, what does it mean to be God? Does God have stuff or not? When God's stuff touches you, what happens to you? So is it, is it that he's God and he doesn't have flesh? Does he have flesh and he's not God? Do you put him in a blender and mix him up? Is he just faking? I mean, these are, these are the reasons that the creed was written. And you'll notice 
that this is the longest part of the creed. This is what the church really fought over. Um, it culminated in the 400s, 300s into 400s, and then it came out in different directions. But people argued about what this meant because, and here's the big finish, your salvation depends on it. You know, the great, um, the great we run it in the, in the bulletin every once in a while, what God didn't assume he didn't save, or what God takes up. So if your salvation depends on getting this right, and yet there's only one like Jesus. That's what the creed is confessing. This happened one time, and it didn't happen to anybody else. So you don't really have anything to compare him to, and you can't really sort it out from other people. How, how are you going to sort this out? So, and then, see, these are, it gets to be very interesting because part of it is, is, you know, it's the Watergate question. What did Jesus know and when did he know it, right? And is, now, think about this, right? So here I got a leper right here. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, uh, you know, so Jesus bumps into a leper. So things like, how does he heal him? Does he heal him because he's a perfect, sinless human? Which, of course, is different than being God. It was like Adam. If Adam bumped into the leper, could Adam heal him? Um, does he heal him because he's a human? Does he heal him because he's God? How do God and man fit together? So, for example, I often wonder, one of the questions I have when I get to heaven, not at the top of my list is, I just wonder, when Adam was sinless, could he walk on water in the Garden of Eden? Because if you sink, you drown. But if you drown, you'd only die because of sin. He doesn't have any sin, so he doesn't drown. So does he sink? See, what do you think about all day? You don't think about this kind of stuff? Or when he walks off the shore, he doesn't sink, but he just walks along the bottom and he doesn't drown and he comes up on the other side. You don't think about this kind of stuff? Do you ask yourself if you could fly? If you didn't have sins, could you fly? Yes, my friend. He could swim, but why would he bother if he can walk on top? Yes, of course, he could. Yes, this is a great, this is a great, this is, this is a, finally, simpatico, a co-traveler, finally, right? You just have all kinds of, because I'll tell you where it warms up is, um, you know, so the leper gets healed and you're great, right? But let me just ask you about the crucifixion. When Jesus died, who died, what died? Did a man die? Did God die? Was the fix in? Could Jesus have sinned? Could Jesus have avoided his death? Was he faking? Right? Was he, is Mary really Theotokos, the mother of God? You should drive my own mother crazy when we'd say this. It's in the Lutheran Confessions. The church has said this from ever that Mary is the mother of God, Theotokos. Occasionally you'll get icons. David Scare, when he was here for Christmas, he was so excited, some student had given him an icon with Mary. And then inside, her womb was open, and Jesus was sitting on the cross. So she's pregnant with Jesus. He's sitting on the cross. Sitting on a throne, holding the world in his hand, blessing it, Right? So Mary is the mother of God who is ready to come out and save the world. What in, what in the world does that mean, right? This is what people fought about in the early church, and I mean fought to the death. Like people were <coughs> murdered for this kind of stuff. People were exiled for this stuff. 
Athanasius on his fourth exile, it's a little cloud, it will pass. But Athanasius, one of the great church fathers, one of the four great church fathers for us, right? Athanasius is exiled four times in the course of his life. So this matters. The reason it matters is because the church has always understood that if you uh, embrace the wrong thing, um, it's not going to go well with you on the last day. So now, just walk all of that back. The trick, I'll give you the, I'll give you the, um, the answer, and then we'll try to work out the middle. Um, the answer is that God is merciful and that we'll do the best that we can here. But you do have to say that everything that Scripture says and where they, it's, it's sort of our mentality that we want everything to have to fit together and we have to be able to understand it. Now I'll go back to what we talked about five or six weeks ago. What we're talking about now is beyond your understanding. It is beyond your reality. This is not worldly. It is transcendent. It is beyond us. So, you know, for several weeks I drew that little box for you and said, this is how math works and reason works here too inside the box. And it says... There's nothing else in the world except what we can measure. It's a great way to run your, run your tech startup. It's true, right? However, if, the, if Jesus is here, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, the world is a different place. Now we're talk, we use the tools that we have here, but we're going to talk about this, what is beyond us, for the simple reason that I don't believe... God's limits are the limits of my understanding. I believe that I'm slave, not master. I believe I don't understand everything, and because I don't understand anything, I don't control everything. And so God comes to me, and he tells me about himself in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. And that's recorded for you in the scriptures, and you rehearse that in every liturgy. Make sense? This is easy. And you pay your money, you take your choice, right? And you don't need to be angry about it, in fact, it's best if you're loving about it. And if somebody kills you because of it, you say like St. Loris as they're burning him over the fire, turn me over, this side's done. They said, you know, one of, one of the guys, when they burned him at the stake, they said, he baked like bread, right? So it's not the worst thing that can happen to you. Try to, I'm sort of taking a little bit of your edge off if I can. You still good? All right, look at the one that says number eight. If God really has become man, it's terribly, this is point two, it's terribly important to understand who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he's up to. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So we keep it simple at the start. These are two claims. See, now you just got to say it as simply as you can. I know people get paid to make it complicated, but complication means you actually don't understand it. If you can keep it as simple as possible, remember well, Alfred North Whitehead, the only... Um, um, the only complexity to be trusted, or the only simplicity to be trusted is the simplicity on the far side of complexity. So things are simple when you're a kid. They get complex in the middle, but they come clear again as you get older. Or you don't under, it was simple when it's 2 plus 2 in school, and then you have your first go at calculus or statistics. But if you really pay attention at some point, you can explain it easily. So the most brilliant guys are the guys who can, you know, the men and women who can explain things clearly. That's, they have the full grasp, right? So we'll start with these two claims. Very simple. Number four, the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Now you have to remember what this means. The Greek word is logos, right? 
word. It's a philosophical term, which means it's the, it's the ratio or the rationale or the formula by which Greeks understood the universe to be put together. But it's used then of Jesus theologically as a person, the second person of the Trinity. This word, so it's Father, Word, and Spirit, right? The second person of the Trinity who is immaterial. He doesn't have any stuff, right? So we, you're warmed up for this because we already talked about angels. Angels don't have stuff, and yet they're active in the world. The same way, the Word doesn't have stuff until he does, until um, he takes flesh from the Blessed Virgin Mother. So the Word became flesh. In four words, the, everything changes. The eternal word, God, immaterial, from forever, has flesh and has a start. Born of the Blessed Virgin Mother. This is what we say on Christmas. This is what we mean when we say God became man. Right? Three words. God became man. Everything changes. And suddenly it feels very complicated. The finish is great because he saves you. But how are we going to talk about this? That the word became flesh. And the, the Hebrew there, I mean, the Greek goes to the Hebrew, which is tabernacled among us. So anybody who heard this from St. John would have said, oh, he was like the tabernacle that moved all around in the Old Testament. He comes down and he moves all around again. And he finally moves up to the temple and then he moves onto the cross and he moves into the tomb and then he moves out into the world. This is what they're hearing. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Flesh and blood among us, full of grace and truth. If you want to know what, I mean, just ask yourself. The world continues to cry out for what is gracious. I Just the last thing I heard as I walked out after listening to the early news is, um, is it's just like this is going to continue to become a refrain, which is a politician who was a very bright guy, Stanford professor, and he was you know secretary of something, I think, under the one or the last. But he, he sort of says it, then he says, because the moral, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You've gone rogue there. Like, you're a smart political guy, but morality is not your expertise. You should take a step back now and call it a priest, right? That everybody thinks that they can speak about their discipline and also about morality makes me think I should just turn the sound down, right? Or else, be honest because you really don't believe in any morality. You only believe in power, about what your side is. Because morality looks like this. Mercy, telling the truth, putting the best construction on things, giving people the benefit of the doubt. The whole place is immoral. Right? I mean, this is where the church has a chance to say something. This is a chance where you have a chance to say something. That sounds different than everybody else because you actually know what you're talking about when you say moral because you've seen morality in the flesh. You've seen Jesus Christ full of grace and truth. You know exactly what to do, right? Um, so it's so interesting. At just the point where the church could say uh, its most important thing, it's most ostracized. It's very interesting how the world is working right now. But that doesn't have anything to do with you. You just keep going. You just go to the liturgy, you go to the Eucharist, you do the right thing. You go to the liturgy, you go to the Eucharist, you do the right thing. It doesn't matter what anybody else would do. Kailash, come on, if all your friends are going to jump off a bridge, are you going to jump off a bridge? No, you're not. You told your lovely son that a zillion times, right? Now turn the page to five. So hold that. The word became flesh. 
Now you, so, so that means um, this God, this God we talked about, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. That means this God is man. Turn the page. The other thing is, for in him, this is Jesus Christ they're talking about, all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. Already people who want to take this or this are going to have some difficulties. Because um, Paul's at pains to say, it's full. It's not part way. And if you're going to press for mixed up, like you dropped the divine and the human into a blender and you know, turned it on five... Uh, you're going to have to argue with this text. For in him, the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell. That is, he take, God in his fullness has taken up residence in this place. He's at home, or sometimes this is translated, um, in him, the fullness of the Godhead was embodied, right? In a body. I think we must have spent half a year once talking about what it meant to be embodied Christ in the world. So here's the other side. The first thing we say is, um, this God, I believe in God, this God is a man, this God is human, this God is fully human. But then the other thing we say is that this man is God, the centurion on the cross. Surely this man must have been the son of God. Puts it on a Gentile pagan soldier's lips. He's the one, after all the religious people have crucified Jesus, he dies. And it's so obvious that even a pagan can see it. Surely this man was the son of God, right? Wasn't that John Wayne? John, wasn't that John Wayne's line? Was it not? Not in the text, in the movie, right? Wasn't he the soldier? I think he was. Yeah, okay. Well, Netflix, get it. Write it off, write it off as a religious expense, okay? Contribution. And then uh, this. Here is a human life so shot through with the purposes of God, so transparent to the action of God, that people speak of it as God's life translated. Translated, we think about words being moved into one thing or another, but you know, you translate the saints of bone, or, or the, the bones of saints. So when um, you know, uh, St. Mark's bones are snuck out of Egypt and put in the, uh, in the, in the, in the, in the cathedral in, in St. Mark's in Venice, his bones were translated. That's the technical term. In the same way, we speak of God's life translated into another medium. Here God is supremely and uniquely at work. And you see, that's the simplest claim of Christians, that this God is man and this man is God. The middle part is extraordinarily difficult, and it can be very technical. And it's very well thought through. It's difficult. So this God is man, this man is God. Right? It's very simple. Then it becomes very difficult. And that's why the creed is fat here. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance, and born of the Virgin Mary, at which we sort of honor the condescension. We, you know, I was thinking about the Eucharist this morning. You know, we, we ring the bell, and you know, the reason we genuflect and the reason you're kneeling is we worship what is on the altar. Jesus come down to the altar. We actually worship Jesus in with and under the bread and wine. In the same way, when we say, was born of Mary, uh, you know, the adoration of, thank you so much, the king has come to town. God is here. That's the reason you bow at that point. So, you know, what does it mean? 
this God is man, this man is God. That's fairly simple to say. And the implications of it on the far end are very clear. He was full of grace and truth, so you and I live full of grace and truth. Come what may, we're in God's hands. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. We live full of grace and truth. The beginning is easy. The end is easy to understand, to understand, to understand. To execute, not so much. And to explain, poof, really difficult. But at least we try to hold on, okay? So here's what we... You still okay? Right? I asked yesterday why there were no questions in the new members class. And then one of the people said, it's because you're intimidating. I'm like, <laughs> I sucked my thumb till I was five. How intimidating can I actually be, right? Come on. Mr. Marcus, thanks for being brave. How are you? Good, but you're handsome, so you got that going for you. What's up? What's very, God? What's very? Yeah, very is the, is a, it's a better way of saying true. So sometimes in the old days, they would say, you know how we hold up and we say the body of Christ or the true body of Christ? The English way of saying it would be the very body of Christ. It's kind of a broader thing. It's sort of like when the pastor says, in the stead and by the command of God, I forgive you. For us, in, 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 in our American English, stead is just means like I'm in the place of. But the broader English term is in the place of and for the advantage of you who get this. So very is like, it's like true on steroids. This is really, really, really true, and it's really good for you. That's all it means. Very God, as God as God can be. That's what it means. Yes, please. My wife's church, they, they bow. Are we Catholic? They bow. What? At, um, Did you put that down on your employment contract? Right. So does Pete Ladick. So does Pastor Pete Ladick, who was just here. Think about it. Is that just because of Lutheran prejudice? What? I love I love his blessed mother. I do too. I think it has to do with. Um, so the th- the thing is, is you can. <laughs> Peter, you can adore him as long as you want, okay? And you can keep your membership at St. John. So um, I think it has, to do, it has to do with tradition. So when we say, born of the Virgin Mary, we've said everything. Like this is a little like when Lutherans say justification by faith. We've, people criticize, but you can really say everything in that phrase. Born of the Virgin Mary, it's fine. But if you want to keep going all the way until he ascended, be my guest. Because if you were looking around at this crowd right here and you said, this crowd right here that you've got in here, is there problem A, they uh, adore Jesus too much, or B, they don't adore Jesus enough, what would you take, A or B? I wouldn't say it out loud. They pay your salary. But you could think about it, whatever you want, right? So the question is, you know, could we be more adoring of Jesus? Sure, we could. Could we? It's not normally uh, our tradition, but it's completely fine. Because I was, I was actually with Pete in, uh, at the Eucharist, and, and I'm like, Pete, what's your back go bad while you're down there? What you, Pete, come on. And it eventually popped up, so it was okay. No, no, no. They, they do it before. I'm saying they, they, rather than later, like we, we bow and was made man. Yeah, right. They bow the state before that. Through the whole, yeah. Yeah. You know, to, here's the thing. Like, and this is the. You know, you're, you're arguing about whether I should got leather seats and a heater in my car. You know, I mean, I got a car, okay? And I'm happy about it. Kirby, by the way, got the heater. But she's like, the leather seats, she won't. Like, she, if she wants leather in her car, she gets a new pair of loafers, okay? So that's what. 
I didn't know you were here. Sorry. Uh, so anyway, I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, I can, I can, we could probably look up the technical difficulty. There's probably a, a, a rule somewhere that says at this point and at this point, and that would be a nice rubric. But we don't mean anything less, and we want to mean as much as or more. Yes, please, Byron. Really? <laughs> I, I, you could do worse. She has trouble, I believe, praying to Jesus or God. She goes through the saints and through Mary. Vicar, get over there, Vicar. Straighten this out, Vicar. I get you, though, but I get you. There is a reluctance to go face to face. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Everything, every, this is under the put the best construction on things. Here's the thing. There's all different ways you can talk about this. Um, it's hard for me to be so critical of folks who are so reverent, right? Because often our, often we're just the opposite. You know, we're just a little bit too sure of ourselves. Um, and the sureness doesn't come from our deep, you know, piety or understanding even. I think sometimes it comes from hey, we don't actually know what we're doing. You know what I mean? We actually don't realize what we're playing with here, right? So I guess I would just say, um, I would you know, put the best construction on it uh, and know God's going to uh, bundle all this up someday. And you and I are both going to have plenty to repent of. We're going to say things like, ooh, I wish I had known that 40 years ago, right? But um, Graham's probably going to be okay. You can do worse than you know, adore the mass five times a day. But, I mean, here's the thing. It's Jesus' mother. If Jesus said to you, hey, this is my mother, what would you say, like, oh, sorry, I can't talk to you. We're in the big boy here. You'd say, hello, Mrs. Joseph from Nazareth. How are you today? It's very nice to see you. Do you take your shoes off when you come into the house here? What's, you know, that's what it would be like that, right? Okay, what else? Yes, please. I'll get in and get out. <laughs> Good job. Is the underlying nervousness with where you bow at that point because of the whom is the object of your bow? That's an act of worship. And yeah. Whom are you actually worshiping? Right. So right. for us, we say obviously the act of worship is toward Christ as He is condescending to be. Yeah. Man. We're not worshiping Mary. Right. We're worshiping the act of or Him as He. Yeah, completely fair. The worship is directed toward Christ, and the only thing for Lutherans is Lutherans are always good at saying that. But you know, if the bow comes, that we should check the rubric. Actually, I mean, we got it. We got it upstairs. But if the, you know, if the bow comes at the point of incarnate, um, you know, we're cheering for that. That's when Gabriel. We did this for a couple. Gabriel comes to Mary. Here, here's the thing. So, like this, like the rest of these questions, is could Mary have said no? And if she said no, what would the consequence be, right? So was she the only ever from forever? Could it have been somebody else? I mean, so if it's not the Blessed Virgin Mother, um, Lindsay is next up, you know? I mean, what, uh, you have to kind of think these things all the way through, right? Well, I, we'll see. And see, the thing is, when you say whatever, you know, whatever, God, but the thing is always with respect to people's freedom, right? So and how does this work? And, you know, uh, we should just be thankful this got worked out in advance. And so, the, and the thing is, is that we we sort of say, we want to say, we want to say the right thing, the true thing, and we want to be thankful for it, and we want to put the best construction on it. You know, if 
you know, all the things that go wrong in Lutheranism, like, you know, um, you know the Russians, they're coming like individual cups. This is St. John. I mean, they look, this is the kind of thing they say to me over lunch, right? They're like, Bruzek, individual cups? Protestants? Bruzek. They look at me like this, like, and I'm like, well, the altar guild, you know? (laughs) This wasn't my idea. I know that Jesus took the cup singular and passed it around. You know, but voters meetings, and they look at me like, Right? So, I mean... I'm just saying, what you know is window dressing. It is is window dressing in one sense, but in one sense, it's like, I always wonder, I mean, it'd be a fun experiment if Jesus walked into the room right now, right? It'd be really interesting what we... It'd be be an interesting test of our souls to see what we would do. It'd be interesting to know if he recognized us first. (laughs) You know? But then also... Sheep, goats, it's in, the, it's in the Bible, you know. So, but then the other side of it is, is, you know, then how do we react? I mean, there's some people, you know, when they meet, the, you know, pick somebody, the president or the governor, and they act like they're old drinking buddies, right? And then there's some people who are like, can barely, you know, so, I don't know, yes. So in RCIA, which is... Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Church, um, we, we learned that you, you bow at um, in front of the Virgin Mary. Right. Right. It's bundled up. Right. 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 Yeah. And then how long to hold it? They, it, go, it comes back up at the ascended, right? No, just those two parts. The bulletin, it says you should bow here. The ironic thing, of course, is that 5% of people actually do it. But I know people who hang on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but what you learned is. I mean, I think this says more about you than it does about them. What do you think, huh? Uh, so this is your assignment for next week, uh, and just know that if you get this wrong, you go straight to hell, but no pressure. Uh, but that's how the church has always understood this, right? I mean, this was the stuff of about, you know, several centuries. So you can take the two things. The bell player's got to go. Or, alternately, they could all have chainsaws. It's not clear. But uh, let's, let's pray for them, and then come back. You can puzzle over these two things, and then we, we want to figure out what it means for God, this God to be man and this man to be God. And we want to try to uh, have that in a joyful, clear way that, that is a good witness in the world. Okay, let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thanks. See you.